Welcome to CougarCast with Keith Schertz and Tosh McIntosh. CougarCast, covering BYU football and basketball. Email the show, cougarcast at gmail.com. And follow on Twitter at CougarCast. and I'm with the 2002 Daily Herald, Utah County, name of the year, Tosh McIntosh, and it is time to talk about BYU basketball. It's been the running joke of the BYU football season. When does basketball season start? start? Last year was considered a little bit of a meltdown with infighting with the BYU basketball team. It resulted, you know, a meltdown with with the the disappointing results and all this stuff. Um and people were freaking out about it. It resulted in a first-round NIT failure against Texas Arlington at home. That was the really down year under Dave Rose. That is quite different than the really down year for football, Tosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, this compare, the football is only – the only thing that compares is 96 basketball. <laughs> so the, that's right. So the, the, the basketball program's in very good hands with Dave Rose. Uh, up and down years, certainly we would all love a Sweet 16. Turns out the, the Lone Peak 3 were never going to take BYU to the Final Four. We never addressed Eric Mika. Here's my quick Eric Mika take. Everybody got mad at Jonathan Tavernari, but he was sort of right. In my sense, JT, he just said, listen, um, he could have he come back and played at BYU and still gone undrafted and still played for a pro team in Italy where he is now. Yeah. Like, the end result was the same. And for people who will say, yes, but he needed to do it right then and there because his age was an issue, there was like 11 guys taken in the NBA draft who were older than Eric Mika. So, okay. So the point is, is, is he was on his way up. They had just beaten Gonzaga. He came onto the radar. He could have put on some more I'm going to throw tape. one more there, because the other argument that I heard is that he was playing the wrong way at BYU, that he didn't want to be a post-up guy. He wanted to be a slasher. He wanted to be a mid-range jump shooter. I've actually watched a lot of highlights from his Italy game. They post, he's exclusively in the post. Cool. You don't want to do the thing that you're elite at? He, that's what... Yeah, he's playing the exact same way over That's there. That's bogus. I, I, don't, I don't buy any of that. Listen, it, it doesn't matter. The Cougars are going to be hurt by not having Eric Mika. It particularly hurts because he left because he was going to be in the NBA, right? And that didn't work out. But that's okay. He's, he's making money. I'm sure he's happy. He, lo- he loves Italy. And, again, missions, big advantage, right? You know? <laughs> right. Okay. So, anyway... Um, there it is. Listen, the Cougars this year have a couple new additions to the team, a lot of familiar faces coming back, but at the center of it all, we need to talk about Nick Emery. Nick Emery has been, um, there's been allegations about NCAA improprietary actions being taken by Nick Emery. Nick Emery carries a relationship with a known BYU booster. He, uh, drives the car that was once owned by that BYU or at least mm-hmm. by that BYU booster, uh, as found out by a Salt Lake Tribune reporter who hid, <laughs> hid, and then looked at the VIN, num- VIN numbers on Nick Emery's car. And anyway, they figured all that out. Those things are under investigation. BYU has now announced that Nick Emery will not be participating in any of the regular season games for BYU. 
uh, until he has been cleared of those allegations. Which is the BYU way of handling this. If this was at a different school, he would play. He would play. But BYU is not going to push the issue. They're not going. They're going to try to play it the safe way. So we don't think that anything massive here has happened. Um, there is, you know, there is rumors that the 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 reason that any of this has come out and stuff just comes from you know his personal life and all that. Whatever the case is, Nick Emery is kind of in a bizarre spot emotionally to start off this season. But the yeah. team, his teammates have stood behind him. But losing Nick Emery, who is your best defensive player, has the most experience of any of the players that are on your team right now, that is a significant loss to totally. BYU. And, and the quicker the NCAA can you know, legislate and figure out whatever's going to happen with these allegations, well, the better dive, for the BYU basketball season. I'm going to dive into this a little more because it – it's more than just rumors. I mean, there's been reporters, you know, Patrick Kinahan being the most famous that has came out and said, it's his ex-wife's parents that are really pushing this. Who knows their reasoning, but they're really pushing this and throwing this out to a lot of media members. And the one reason I corrected you on the car thing is because I don't think the car thing is that crazy of a, it's, that's going to be that big of a deal because the car was leased by this guy. And now that same car is being leased by Emery's parents. But a lease, you can't like give, as long as that guy was paying the lease payments and now the Emery's are paying the lease payments, that's not like a gift at all. But there's other weird stuff with the concerts. And I think that there's enough here that, that BYU's having him sit down. I have heard rumors of that it could be a couple weeks to half a year that the NCAA rules on. There's also a lot of rumors that Nick might, with the trouble in his personal life and the, you know, the, the, the ending of his marriage and all sorts of craziness going on, that he actually might redshirt this year. That he's deciding that that, that the whole pro, they're, that, yeah, they're deci- he's ultimately deciding if he's going to redshirt and get his head right. We'll know, I think, all of that here in the next week or two. But it's a weird starting to a basketball season that, that this is the basketball season we had circled on our calendars for right. years. Right. And we're already having a little bit of a weird and, start. And you it. might just have one of the Lone Peak three. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that's crazy. The Lone Peak one. You the Lone Peak one, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway. Listen, it's been a while that I, I can I can't remember. You know, we've had a hard time getting out of the gates anyway on on seasons because there's been injuries, and it's usually injuries. And now we've got this other scenario here with Nick Emery. I think that um, you are foolish. I, I, I first of all, Brent, Ben Criddle put out a Twitter poll that had like two thousand people vote on it about whether or not BYU is going to be better because Eric Mika was not on the team anymore. More than half of respondents, like eighty, sorry. 58% of respondents said that BYU is going to be better because Eric Mika wasn't on the team. That is bonkers. It's blind optimism. That is bonkers. Then beyond that, then, is as you're seeing a lot of people with this more recent news on Nick Emery claiming that BYU will be for the better without Nick Emery. It's, it's crazy. BYU basketball <laughs> fans are crazy in this regard. Every time we lose a player, yeah, they always try to spin it. That, oh, we might be better off. And it's like, no, let's just keep all the good players and find a way to win. All that being said, I'm not saying we're better off, but one 
you can still look at our roster, and we still have plenty of things to smile about this year that should give BYU fans hope. The biggest addition to the roster this year actually comes in the coaching staff. Heath Schroyer comes in, very experienced assistant coach. He's been a head coach and uh, is known for kind of his, his dogged, intense uh, he's not there to be anyone's best friend, and he is in charge of defense. BYU's defenses, when Heath Schroyer has been involved with BYU, have traditionally been very good. There's reason to believe that the defensive effort of BYU is going to be a lot better this year. And uh, potentially the biggest addition of the team was adding Heath Schroyer. He'll take over the defensive responsibilities. They move Quincy Lewis over to the offensive side of the ball. Terry Nashif, of course, decided to pursue business opportunities. So what's going on with that? the coaching staff is there's been a little bit of a change. They've added Heath Stroyer into the mix. And, of course, Tim Lacombe is still there as the uh, associate head coach. Um, but his effect will be more intensity on the defensive end of the ball. If you don't play defense, uh, you're not going to be involved. Lee Kamard also there still as a graduate assistant. Um, but Tosh, you mentioned, yes, the, the style of play. Without Eric Mika, the style of play for BYU is going to have to change. Last year, their first year without Kyle Collinsworth, BYU was garbage at transition offense. Mm-hmm. Terrible. They were scoring more points per possession, a higher amount of points per possession in half-court offense than they are in transition. What's the point of running the floor, right? Easy baskets, right? Open looks, easy baskets, hard to defend. You should be able to score at a higher rate of points per possession running the basketball up the floor than carrying it up there and then slowly, methodically trying to beat the the shot clock. BYU was more effective at scoring in half court last year. So the question that I have, and it's a massive question, whether it's Elijah Bryant, whether it's TJ Haas, maybe it's Jashir Hardnet. Who- Hardnet, I think, actually could surprise people at that he could be a really good point guard. Yeah, and he might be better than LJ Rose certainly was at, at bringing the ball up the floor and, and getting transition going. LJ Rose wasn't very good at that. Okay, the numbers just bear that out. Elijah Bryant wasn't very good at that. Numbers bear that out. The, the, and TJ Haas struggled with it in his first go. They did not play Dave Rose-style basketball. So the question and the thing that you should be looking for immediately when they play Saturday against the Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils is transition buckets. Because they struggled to get transition buckets against everybody last year. And so it'll be critical for them to you know update their style of play in that way. Totally. And I think we have a squad that can do it. I think... Adding Zach Selyus that can hit open threes in transition. I think Hardnet is a great point. He's a true point guard. The guys, they're, they're exaggerating when they call him six foot. Right. You know, this guy has made it to where he's at right now because he can play great basketball as a little man, which is ball control, passing, driving. The guy is a point guard. He doesn't turn it over. That's the other one that I've noticed just early on. He's been good at, at, at not turning the basketball over. And the, our our big men that we're going to play, I mean, I think Luke Worthington will start, but I don't think that he's going to get, like, the majority of the minutes. I, I think that we're going to be doing a rotation where we're really putting a four-man at five for right, a lot so of Right, so Yoli game. will be playing so the five. I, I think we'll have a lot of running, whether it's Dalton Nixon, whether it's Braden Shaw, Yoli, a mix of those guys. I feel like we'll be getting a lot of our big man minutes. So I think we're going to run quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I think you're right that they're going to be able to run a lot more. And, 
you know, I do think that you're going to see a lot of small ball lineups. And, and really, you know, David Locke, he likes to call it skill ball. You just get your best guys on the floor. Yoli at the five, Celius at the four. You get TJ Haas out there, Jashir Hartnett, and Elijah Bryan. That might be your best five guys. And certainly Nick Emery will be in that mix if he's if he's going to play. But the, the thing that's really fascinating to me is, is you're just going to have to see, though, when you go small – defensively you can be exposed that's number one two you have to shoot really good from three and then the last thing is is rebounding becomes a big 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 issue and you have to play pass it around offense like when you're smaller than the other team you you're not going to play iso and just let guys help like you are going to need to play run an offense pass it find the open guy to three or find the open guy to slash and last year, that was our big, big problem. We are going to need to see a heck of a lot better passing the ball offense this year. Yeah, and, you know, T.J. Haas dribbled way, way, way too much yeah. last year, and hopefully he gets Elijah better at moving Bryant, it. And same. Elijah Bryant, yeah, same deal. stoppers on offense instead of just guys that play within the offense. And one of the giant problems for Elijah Bryant, I've talked about this, but last year he had the second-worst season shooting three-pointers by a volume three-point shooter in the history of BYU basketball, okay? He, he was horrible. I think he was at like 27% last year, Tosh shooting from behind the arc. And I know that he started really slow, but I don't care. The body of work counts. And uh, he got a little hotter as the year went on, but he has got to be much, much better at shooting the three ball. I think that Zach Selyus obviously is a fantastic three-point shooter. We hope that he continues to light it up. And I I think that you're going to see Selyus be gigantic for this team. If you remember as a freshman, um, Selyus at the four was easily the best lineup choice that Dave Rose could make. They were always plus minutes in terms of plus minus, uh, plus minus for lineups when Zach Selyus was at the oh, yeah. four, and he wasn't very good when he had him when they had him at the three. He wasn't as effective. So Zach Selyus, six foot seven, he's going to have to be tougher. The problem is again, if you have Nick Emery there, or not, but let's just say for the Delta Devils, okay, Mississippi Valley State, we know that there's no Nick Emery, so. It's going to be what? Jasheer Hardnett. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Elijah Bryant, TJ Haas, and then you're going to have what? Worthington. Worthington is who they're saying. Worthington and, uh, and Yoli. But if they go small and then they bring in off the bench, you know, they're going to go with Yoli at the five and then they're going to put Celius uh, at the four. The problem is with that is, is who's going to rebound the ball outside of Yoli? Because. When they did that before and played Celius at the four before, they had the greatest rebounder in the history of the school playing point guard. Yeah. And he could make up for the problems with their ability to rebound. So is TJ a good rebounder? No. Is Elijah? Possibly could be. He could pick it up maybe a little. Just sheer hard net. You already said it's too small to really be effective there. We don't know if Celius is going to be able to do it. So Celius rebounding. Celius get the ones that come to him, but he's not going to be a – I mean, he's 6'7". He'll get some rebounds, but he's not a box it. Like, he's not going to be banging in there just getting power big man rebounds. So rebounding – I see rebounding as a massive problem this year. Dalton Nixon could really carve out a lot of minutes for himself if he can go in there and be a good, tough rebounder. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, Peyton Dastrup doesn't appear to be, you know, tough – in a way that, that goes and gets rebounds. I, I don't know. What, what's your predictions for Peyton Dastrup this year? 
So we were. I mean, we everyone was so, so excited. He's a four star recruit, but I think I'm the biggest thing is his body changed so significantly the, the on his mission. The guy played guard. The guy played guard before, and that now his body well wing where he right. He was play. a wing. Yeah, the wing yeah. is the better. Yeah, he played the three, but he played at the three point line shooting threes. And then if he was inside the three point line, he was at the foul line, you know. And so that guy, his body changed. He's not that type of player anymore. But he hasn't caught up. I think here's where I'm at. Some people are totally off the Peyton Dasher bandwagon. Too early. He's only a sophomore. I think way that too he early. will be good his senior year. I think that he will only be incremental, incrementally better this year than he was last year. I'm not expecting him to be a game changer for us at all this year. By the way, we've been spoiled by a lot of good freshmen recently. But players take time. To get there. Mm-hmm. I think that Peyton Dastrup has to show a little bit this year in the second half and during conference play. He's got to show a little something. Yeah. But, like, Jimmer Fredette didn't really show much as a freshman. And then his like, sophomore year, was, his sophomore year was, like, the year that, that it started to kind of come along. Tulsa, the guy Correct. Comes alive. And then it started happening. Yep. So the point is, is that's the normal trajectory that you get from players. Recently, we've been more freshman-centric and, and haven't really built guys up as the years go on. Um, but so it's, it's way too early, way too early. Like Yoli is what, what's happened with Yoli is an aberration. What happened with TJ and Nick Emery and Eric Mika and all these guys, that's, that's not a normal progression with it. And maybe it's abnormal to have a four star guy and not be able to come in and make a huge impact at BYU like right away. But again, that guy's body like changed so significantly because of his mission and that it, I think it just changed everything about the way he needs to play, the way he can't run the way he used to, he can't yeah. get open the way he once could. You know, I mean, it's it's just when your body changes so significantly, it, you really have to change basically how you play the game or really commit in a massive way to get your old body back. But even then, you know, it, it, I don't, you know, just with age, the difference between being 18 and 20 or 19 and 21 or 22 now, I mean, it's like, it's pretty huge. So anyway, it, it, it is it is really interesting to me to take a look at that. Now, Tosh, the biggest thing that I wanted to talk about is, is we look at BYU basketball. Ever since we joined the West Coast Conference, there has been this kind of macro problem that has crept into the program that did not exist before when they were in the Mountain West. And it's not just Jimmer. It's, it was before then. It was with Lee Kamard. It was with, you know, uh, guys like Jimmy Balderson and yeah. Playstead and Keena Young. And the, then that early, in the early era of Dave Rose. And it was this, that they simply did not lose multiple games in a row. And the other one is, is that they simply did not lose to inferior teams. It just didn't happen. And really, if you want to know, what's the next step forward for BYU basketball, right? It's, it's just getting to the tournament. Because there's no way, at, at best, right, the ceiling for this team is still being on the bubble. Yeah. Right? I don't, no, see, us, I don't see us cruising don't, to an at-large bit. If you're being real with this team, our best case is we squeak into the, <clears throat> the... The best case really is that we squeak into the tournament. And that for sure is possible. We won tournament games when Brock Zilstra started out the year as our point guard. Right. You know, like, our team has more talent this year than a lot of the Dave Rose teams have had. It's just, 
it's hard to get last year's crappiness out of our mind to think, is this year going to be able to mesh better? Especially when you lost two of the massive components potentially with, with this. And we don't totally. know, again, we don't know what the scenario is with Nick, Nick Emery. But we definitely know what the scenario is with Eric Mika. Uh, so the, the question is then, Tosh, is how do you, and this is what I've been thinking about, how was it that before that they avoided losing to inferior teams? And why is it that since basically 2012 onward, we have not been able to make it through the slog of playing Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount and Pacific and one of these bad teams, Santa Clara and whoever, they, they we're going to blow one of these games. It's just going to happen. We can't. That's what keeps getting us out of the tournament the last two years. But I, I don't disagree with you that we will lose. We, that's been our MO the last little while. So how do you avoid that? Here's, here's how, in my opinion. What those teams did before is that they had multiple ways to beat you because they were balanced on the floor. They had – so let's say – let's go back to like – so they could really run when they had uh, Kamard and Austin Ainge and Keena Young and, and that group, Jimmy Balderson and, and, uh, and Playstead. So they could really run the floor. I mean, Playstead was awesome running the floor oh, yeah. as a big man. He finished a lot of dunks in transition. Uh, Lee Kamard shot from three really great. They had guys like Sam Burgess step up and do really good for them. So they could either run. Okay, so let's say a team of Justin took away the ability to really run the floor. Great. Well, now we're going to give it to Keenan Young, and he's going to bully you, and, and he's going to work it from there. Okay, well, let's say now you're going to cheat off and double-team Keenan Young. Well, good. Then we're going to go weak side and hit Trent Playstead, and he's going to attack you on that side. Okay, well, crap. Okay, so now we're going to just fully commit. You're not scoring in the key. Cool. Well, now Sam Burgess and Jimmy Balderson and, and Lee Kamard are going to rain threes on you from the outside. Yeah. And, and the point is, is they were balanced and had multiple ways to beat you. So if you ran zone, if you ran press, if you ran man-to-man, we had an answer to all of those scenarios. It has been like five years now, Tosh, since BYU has had a balanced ability to handle and tackle all those different scenarios that arise. Even though they had Tyler Hawes, they still had to play Nate Austin and Josh Sharp together. Okay, yeah. and they had no ability to score on the inside. Even though they had, you know, even though they had that year where they had um, uh, freaking. Uh, Hartsock and Brandon Davies, and they could really score on the inside and had a great little mid-range game. They couldn't shoot from the outside at all, you know. And yeah. and 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 so they ran into different problems as they went. Shouldn't each last year. year's team have been able to be the type of team you're describing? Except for they couldn't do transition. Yeah. So that that the problem was is is in the games that they lost, it was because teams were able to slow them down, or sorry, teams were able to to speed it up in a way. That made it so that the the well or <clears throat> they were able to take away more and more of the half court or let's say Eric was having an off night and now things were in trouble you know all over the floor so I, I I think that the point is is you have to be able to give multiple looks and when you think about it in that sense it's easy to think about this team and go man, I just don't know that there's a lot of answers to a lot of different problems there. So a loss to Utah Valley, a loss to Alabama, you know, you, you sit there, you look at some of these teams that they're going to play. Illinois State from the Missouri Valley Conference sometimes can be a little bit feisty. Utah is going to be a tough game, right? 
But the point being is, is, is beyond just like the massive guys that you sort of expect us to struggle with, you know, who knows what's going to happen when you play San Francisco. Who, who, Portland might be able to, to rise up and get you or We've whatever. lost uh, There's no reason. I remember when we first got into this conference, me and a lot of BYU sure. fans. me. I, I felt this way. We thought we would win every single game in the conference except Gonzaga. And then we realized that... Well, St. Mary's pretty Then good. we realized that St. Mary's was legit. And then it turned into, okay, we shouldn't lose any games to anybody. Except for maybe except St. Mary's those or Gonzaga. Two. Right. Big... And we have just been failed at that every single year. Here's a newsflash, though. Those teams don't lose to anybody else besides BYU and the other one. But, that, that's, but we have not been able to figure that out. So that's the thing, though. The, the reason that Gonzaga and St. Mary's don't lose is they have multiple ways to win. B- I think you're on to something. BYU sure. has not had – they haven't been a Swiss Army Knife team. They've basically come into games and had one, ways, one way to beat you, essentially. Or, or maybe two. But what's happened is, is they haven't had balance in a way where they could score from all parts of the floor or that they had the ability to do transition or half court or they didn't have a bit or, or, oh, man, we can't beat the press now. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and to me, you have to be able to be able to do a lot of different things in a way that where you can be effective. And what's happened is not only and I, I know I've talked offensively, but this is also defensively, you know. They've run into games where, I mean, Stacey Davis, right, where they couldn't do a thing about Stacey Davis from Pepperdine. Yeah. And then and the next Kills. thing we know, we're going to get killed by Stacey Davis, for heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. That Bobby Sharp from Portland still sits in our brains because we had no answer to how to contain Bobby Sharp, who was a... It wasn't even good against he wasn't, he, he wasn't even a good player for Portland, but one yeah. night he was on fire, and, and we couldn't do anything against him. So this is what I'm getting at, Tosh, is when you play pretty good teams... You know, Lamont Murray Jr. Lamont Murray Jr. And you play some of these. I mean, the there's going to be decent players on every team. There's always going to be one or two guys that are going to be there. But you're you're going to have to be able to figure out different ways to do it. That's going to be the difference between hitting your ceiling and hit and getting to the floor. This year's team could be a Swiss Army knife. That's what gives me some hope. Really? Yeah, we got a big man. We got a Yoli that could punish people inside. We've got a guy that can hit open threes. Yeah, Celius. We've, we've got a guy that can create his own shot, TJ and yeah, Elijah. We've exactly. got two of them. Okay, and that we've got. I feel like enough quality big man that could run. That if we have to play that game, Dalton Nixon has a good like old man game. I don't know if you've noticed this yet, and that, but he he does oh, yeah. he does the little post up moves, and he's kind of got this turnaround jumper. So I like Dalton Nixon. I'm kind of up on him. I, Thank you for listening to Cougar Cast. If you enjoyed this show, take the time out to give us a rating on iTunes. Also, look for us on vanquishthefoe.com. If that isn't enough, you can follow us on Twitter at CougarCast. Enjoy the games and go Cougars. In my opinion, has to be a great energy guy. Yeah. That what you look for him for is his rebounding and dunks, and that's it. Just be a big time energy guy, and if you can and do he's that, he's got to be really going crazy for every rebound when he's out there. Yep. I mean, he's got to be real tough at that. If he doesn't rebound for you, he won't be on. The I'm not sure that what, what he does. He's a decent defender, um, but anyway.
So I, I worry, Tasha. I know that you're uh, you know you're always optimistic about that. I worry about our ability to rebound. I'm not sure that we'll have a half court attack. Um, I you know Yoli. All these guys seem like they're better for the transition game. They just got to find a guy who's going to set the transition game up and really get it moving. And and we'll see. I'm, I mean, I'm really excited to see how that goes because to me, this has got to be a throwback Dave Rose team where they're just pace of play is high like it always is. And it was last year. But pace of play is high and they're scoring easy buckets and and really running the floor and making people's heads spin with how quick they are and how much they're just draining shots left and right. And, you know, if if they get hot, they're going to be really tough for, for anybody. I mean, they have the ability to beat Gonzaga at Gonzaga yet again this year. Like, I believe that that may very well happen yet but again. But we have talent. But I definitely also think that I just in conference play, we're going to lose two or three games where we go, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and I worry about that. And hopefully you're right. If they're more balanced, they're going to be able to avoid those things. Tasha, take me through. Last thing that we'll do here, uh, the non-conference, non-conference schedule. And, and let's just both give our – so Mississippi Valley State – uh, Saturday night at home. How do you feel? We should crush. Yeah, I think that's a, they'll be okay. They'll be okay in that one. On the road at Princeton, Ken Pomeroy likes the Tigers over BYU. Yeah, no, they always run a good brand of basketball. I mean, it's called the Princeton offense right. for a reason. And that uh, I think that I can't pick us to win that game. Okay. I think that's a safe, a safe bet, especially since we don't know what's going on with Nick at this point. Um so I'll go with you on that. All right, they go down the Ivy League, uh, but that, that's a team that might win the Ivy League this year. Yeah, Princeton, it'd be so. a great. It could be a quality win. All right, hey, listen, the Texas Arlington Broncos come to the Marriott Center once again. They finished our season last year, uh, and they return uh, a lot of the guys that were troublesome for the Cougars last year. What, what do you see? That's a that's a really tough third game of the year. Yeah, I, I we might be we might find ourselves one and two because I I think that that's a coin a coin flip a coin flip game, and it's at home, so that's why I, I give this slight edge to us. All right, so but you got to steal that, right? If you're an NCAA team, like you have to beat Texas Arlington. You yep. can't get behind. They're them. good though. Like, they are good, but that's the point. You have to beat good teams in order to get there. So if they lose that game, they're going to be behind the uh, the eight ball. Like yep. already, like in the third game, it's it's amazing. Okay, fourth game, Niagara. We we ought to win that. We'll destroy Niagara. They had a, uh, I think Speedy Claxton went to Niagara, so great name, Speedy Claxton. Oh yeah. All right, Alabama. Uh, they're playing at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Alabama just lost their very best player. He is uh, tied up in the uh, sneaker scandal mm. uh, and will not be eligible. Because that was for the them. highest ranked team that were playing non-conference, and so that's a that's a big blow. It is. Um, so <clears throat> I I don't know. They're you still going to be good. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a tough one. Alabama will be will be a tough it's game. It's cool. Yeah, we have not done well again, and then going all the way to the East Coast. You know, you worry about that. Back-to-back nights then. The next night we got UMass, and uh, I believe we lost to UMass last time we went out east. Oh, they play they, – they have a good basketball team quite often. I think it's cool. Both these teams are in New York, you know, there. And... So one of these mid-season tournaments. What do you think? Yeah. Best-case scenario? I think we win one out of those two. All right, so one and one from those. Let's, let's go with that. Okay, all right. 
101. U- UVU at the UCCU Center in Orem. It's our first time going to their building. I- I've told you before, I think it's funny and it's real. That is a game that is circled on this year's schedule. It has to be. And I, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to make the trip to Orem and uh, try some of their local food. Uh-huh, good. And I... Bam Bam's is there. It's yeah. in Orem, you know, so... We we could lose this game again. We, yeah. I think that we do win. I just think that there's too much big brotherness to let us lose to these guys two years in a row. But they are not a team to be overlooked. Calvert, Toulson, Nielsen, former the 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 uh, spurned lovers of BYU basketball. You better believe this is the biggest game of their year. Every player you just mentioned. That uh, that makes me nervous, and especially with considering what happened, yep. November 29th. and uh, so that's a big one. What what are you gonna say though? You said to win. Okay. I say win. All right. Again though, that's just you have to win that game, or else you can just kiss the tournament goodbye. Uh, going up to the uh, spectrum, play Logan, play play in Logan against Utah State. Very difficult place to win. Typically speaking, it's been down though. Yeah, the spectrum atmosphere. We and the won. Team. We won last time we were up there. Tyler Haas scored thirty five points. It was yeah. beautiful. Um, I think that they're going to bounce back and get us. I, I think that that's a game that's that's a really rough. Who knows? Game. I'm just basing it that off that crowd, of, and it doesn't matter that maybe the the crowd hasn't been as good because the team BYU, has been against BYU. It's going to be, be great. Right. All right, all right. You're totally right. Illinois State at home. Cougars should probably get that. Sometimes the uh, the Cardinals can be a little tougher. Yep. Uh, Weber State, uh, neutral site, Vivint Smart Home again. You know uh, they've just lost Sanglin. Jeremy Sanglin is usually a good player there. Um, but they should be fine against Weber State. Correct. Weber State surprises year after year and gets good basketball recruits, but I'm not aware of any big names this year. I think we get the win. They've got, uh, I think, Brakat Chapman from yeah, Utah right. is playing for Weber State this yep. year. So but, they've, got good, they've got good players. But uh, they've always got one or two good players, and, and uh, it'll be a good challenge, but they should be okay there. Uh, and then, big one. Get your hard hats out. Come to the uh, yeah. come to the arena. They're playing the University of Utah, and uh, Coach Larry Kraskoviak uh, will allow the uh, series to continue. And that uh, game is going to be a great atmosphere. It doesn't matter what our record is, what Utah's record is. The student section will be there, and it, that'll be a fun game. That should be really good. Idaho State sometimes surprises. I believe Cougars had a double overtime game against them about a decade ago. Uh, in the Marriott Center, but uh, we should be just fine against the Bengals. And then uh, the last game, Texas Southern, and uh, Cougars should be just fine. We always have a very cupcakey game just before conference play. So that's all we'll talk about there. Best case scenario, Tosh, what's the best case scenario? Three losses? Yeah. Two. I think maybe two losses is best case. We only play three teams like big name teams yeah they could help our resume i really feel like maybe utah valley could create or utah state could be good enough that they could be so we play three for sure resume top, helpers top 100 RPI and then teams. maybe two that are on the fringe of resume right helpers. well and then but we lose to bad teams lately so, so so princeton right the big ones are princeton alabama and utah those yep. are the three big ones then kind of mid-150 RPI teams it might be, you could see Utah State, UMass, Texas Arlington. Yeah. Yeah, and you've really got to clean those out. I mean, they've really got to win all those, don't they? I mean, I, if if they want to look at playing in the tournament, I think that they got to get those games. So. Totally. Wow. 
Wow. Well, it'll be very interesting. Of course, basketball season's back. We're very excited about it. Tosh, what happens if, if they get out and it, it's just slow? We get out and we're like, we're two and five. It's bad. Is BYU, it's is BYU, BYU football fan rollover where we as a fan base need something to cheer about. And I think it could get real, real bad. <laughs> I can never think of a time where we've been bad at both sports. And so I don't think we're going to be bad at basketball, but we need a fast start so that fans don't start turning. I do believe Dave Rose is too good to have a really, really bad year like that. Agreed. I think he's just too good of a ball coach. Yep, guys so. good. All right, that's it for uh, this edition of Cougar Cast. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, thank you, Tosh. Yep, thank you.